0: Hey, y'all, welcome to Master Your Being. I am Della I hope you are doing well today. So let's talk. Uh, This is the first episode of this. And so I want to make this what it should be an introductory episode to who am I and what is uh, self mastery. Um, So first, let's start with the basics of who I am. So I am Della Wren. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I am the mother of a 13 year old boy, and a very, very soon to be 20 year old young woman. Um, I also have a dog named Piper. She's a beautiful black lab. And um, I am separated from my husband. However, we still live in the same under the same roof. Um. So that is sort of the details of my life. I am a writer full time and I talk about this process of self mastery. So how did I get here? Well, the short answer is about eight years ago, I had sort of an awakening, you know, how they talk about that spiritual awakening thing. Well, I guess you could say I kind of had one of those. It sort of looked like just a a meltdown, a giant, a giant meltdown. I just cried and cried and cried for hours. Um, Nervous breakdown style sort of thing that I had. But in that process, a lot of stuff kind of melted away, fell off. I, I lost a lot of the beliefs, life had really stopped making sense. I was quite miserable by that point. And so life stopped making sense. I had grown up Roman Catholic of all things. And those beliefs, although I had dropped them when I I had dropped going to church and being active in the church when I was 20, um, for 20 years, I really hadn't done anything with sort of my, the idea of religion or God or anything like that and so it wasn't until I had this breakdown and I realized that those religious beliefs just made absolutely no sense. They were just bonkers to me. And so I started looking around for religion. So, well, I Googled religion. And so for mostly, if you Google Western religions, it's mostly Christianity, right? So, um, to put it mildly and not to offend anybody, same shit, different pile. Um, so then I, I, I started looking at Eastern religions and and you don't have to go very far into the world of Eastern religion to kind of find, find this bucket we call spirituality, which is where I landed. And I liked it because A, it made sense, but B, it wasn't organized religion. It was just a collection of beliefs and I could kind of pick and choose buffet style what worked for me and what didn't. And so my journey began, um, Spirituality became the platform on which I began to heal myself, and at the beginning, I was literally using spiritual beliefs and ideals that I was coming across from teachers like Eckhart Tolle, um, Deepak Chopra. Sometimes I would I found uh, Kyle Cease or Matt Kahn or and others. Those were the people that that were influencing my healing journey, and even Abraham Hicks to some degree those were the people that were influencing my healing journey in the beginning. And it wasn't until five, six years in, that I realized that I had been given a very specific methodology for for healing. And my healing was entirely intuitive, by the way, I did it via tarot. Um, and, and later on through writing, which I do now, um, it was entirely intuitive. And I realized that I had been given sort of this way of doing it. So it started with the mind, and, and the mind getting control over the mind. And we'll talk about sort of that in a minute. But getting control over the mind allowed me to deal with the emotions more easily. And then now I'm sort of in the process of changing behaviors. And so when you put all of those three things together, you get this process of what I call self mastery, the mind, mind, body and and spirit and spirit I use as both intuition, but also emotion. And so that that is sort of how how this all came to be. And that is the process that I now talk about and write about full time on a regular basis, every day. Um, So Yeah, that's kind of how I got here. Writing came up a little later. I was a writer as a teenager. I loved to write. I wrote short stories and creatively all the time. Um, And then somewhere along in my healing journey, I, I got the intuitive idea to start writing again. And I really just haven't looked back. I write thousands and thousands of words a day and I absolutely love it. So that's kind of, that's been the journey. That's been the process. So let's talk, enough about me, let's talk about what is self-mastery, because that that's really why we're all here. I, I want this podcast to be about those different aspects of self-mastery. So self-mastery is the idea of mastering, gaining control over, or learning to manage, however you like the words, okay? So I use control a lot, and I can explain that. The reason why I use control a lot is because my main wound before I started healing was powerlessness. It was sort of this idea that I wasn't allowed to be in control of my own life. I wasn't allowed to be in charge of my own life. I wasn't allowed to make my own choices or do my own thing. Everything that I thought or did was based on what other people thought I should be doing. Everything, right? Um, and and it got to a place where it was almost like am, am I allowed to breathe today is that okay right so for me a lot of my healing journey has focused on and still now does to this day in when I'm dealing with behavior focuses on taking my control back and making my own choices and doing my own thing so a lot of what I'm doing centers around that idea i use the word control so you can shift it to manage you can in some cases you may even be able to use the word surrender if you wanted to use the vocabulary that works for you and don't get bothered too much by what i'm actually saying take it on in a way that it works for you so that it allows you to be comfortable in your own skin because really that's the goal self-mastery gives you a way to manage yourself when the when life happens around you it gives you a way to manage yourself it's a process right and how you use that process might look a little different for you but the idea should be essentially the same you can you deal with the mind you deal with the emotions and then you f- you make sure that any behavior that that shows up is also dealt with right so we deal with all the things so i tend to use words like control And fix. And sometimes I talk about manage, right? So when I use fix, it's because I was truly broken when I started this journey. And so when I started this journey, I really was in a place where I was trying to fix problems in my life. And I agreed to healing, right? So I got that intuitive, you need to heal yourself thing. And I decided to go along with that. But it was really sort of to fix problems. <laughs> I I wasn't doing it for any other reason. I needed to solve problems in my life. So if the way to solve the problems was to deal with me, then so be it. That was what I was going to do. If I could no longer fix the outside world, if I could no longer, if the strategy of just projecting everything outward was no longer going to work, then fine, I would fix myself. So that was what I did. So those are the kinds of words that you're going to hear from me use them in a way that makes sense for you so that you're not bothered by what i'm talking about right so okay so self-mastery is this sort of mind thought behavior control okay so here's what generally happens and this is before we figure out how to how to deal how to use self-mastery in our day-to-day lives here's what generally happens things happen in our outside world we have we have experiences that we don't like we 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 have experiences that cause pain, that cause trauma. Depending on our ability to actually work with them within ourselves, sometimes we don't fully process them, right? So we, with the emotion is the focus, right? We cry and we cry it out or we try to cry it out. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. The, the mind makes up a whole bunch of stories of blame, shame, guilt and victimization. We go through this sort of process of grief and pain And we come out the other side of that. Maybe we've dealt with it, maybe we haven't. It's a very blind process. We don't really know where we are, what we're doing. We don't have enough self-awareness to understand where we are in the process. Often what then ends up happening is we create coping mechanisms, survival skills in order to manage the pain because we can't fully deal with it, process it or handle it in some way. So then we create the coping mechanisms and the survival skills. And this is particularly true with small children, right? Where a small child whose parent keeps telling them they're too loud will eventually be really quiet, right? And so it's that. There's a survival skill that happens there, right? Especially as a small child who still needs their mom and dad or caregiver to feed them and clothe them and do all the things for them. They want to make sure that they keep that person happy. And so they they bend, they conform, basically, and give in, right? And so they will become whatever that parent thinks they should be, whether that's louder or quieter or smarter or dumber or whatever it is, right? They they will do the thing. So it's that idea. So a lot of those coping mechanisms and survival skills that we picked up, particularly as small children, we all still live from, folks. We all still hang on to these things. We're still using them. But guess what? You don't live with your parents anymore. You don't live with those people anymore. You're no longer in that pain anymore. So you no, no, you no longer need those survival skills in order to live your life. They are actually now doing you a disservice. So the idea is you have to let go of the behaviors. You have to change the behaviors. Now, is that easy? Hell no. Why is that hard? It's hard. Because you don't think about your own behavior. Most people don't. It is unconscious to a level that most people actually aren't even willing to admit to. We don't like to admit how unconscious our behavior truly is. The way you react, your personality, your responses to everything that goes on around you on a daily basis, from simple, hi, how are you, to somebody cutting you off in traffic, to horrible things happening, your responses are mostly pre programmed and predetermined. You do not think about how to respond and react in your day to day life at all, ever. And that means there are a ton of coping mechanisms built in a ton of them. And the hardest part is finding them, weeding them out, and dealing with those behaviors to remove them from your life. Right? So that's the process of behavior. That's the process that I've been in with behavior. It's actually the last thing you do, not the first thing you do. The, the first thing you do is you manage the mind. Managing the mind looks like shutting down the voice in the head that tells you how awful you are on a regular basis. You need to manage the narration. You need to manage the narration that's going on in your head. Because that narration is often not very friendly. It's not nice. It doesn't have anything good to say. The biggest thing with the mind is that it wants to make up stories. Okay, so it tells four different types of stories: blame, shame, guilt, or victimization of self or other. So it wants to tell stories of blame. Then the favorite thing to do is blame other people for things. Right? We love to blame something for some. We, we love to blame somebody for something. Right? It's the best thing we can do. We have to find fault in everything. We, we as a society, we do this continuously. We want to find fault. Why? Because then we don't have to take responsibility for it. If we can find fault and make it somebody else's responsibility, then it's not ours and we don't have to do anything, right? So we blame the government for the economy, but it doesn't allow us to fix the economy. It doesn't give us any sense of control. We want to blame the government for things, right? You want to blame the other person, right? Right? So everything that we do as individuals can be mirro- is mirrored collectively. And you will see it on the bigger scale as well as the much smaller individual scale. Okay? So I can talk about either and both work because both are true in, in both the individual and the collective. Okay? So blame. We like to project it out. That means I don't have to take responsibility for it. So if somebody does something to me, something bad, somebody does something to me and I blame them for it. I don't have to deal with it at all. I don't have to take responsibility for my own behavior, my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own anything, because I can blame somebody else for them. It's their fault I feel this way. It's their fault I'm thinking these thoughts. It's their fault this thing happened. It's their fault I have to do this now. It's their fault. Everything is their fault. That's what blame does. Everything is somebody else's fault. Okay? You can also blame yourself, Right? And that tends to get there's there's a there's a wishy washy area there because blaming of self really starts to look like shaming self and and making self feel guilty and, and doing those kinds of things right when we talk about it when we internalize these things and we bring them in on ourselves they tend to get it tends to get pretty muddy in terms of what it looks like right but when we project them outwards it's very clear what's going on so when we shame other people and we Shame usually goes with guilt in this case, right? When we shame them, we try to make them feel guilty, right? So we, we really project it out. We try to make them feel bad for what they did. Why do we want to do that? Because we want them to feel how we're feeling. Right? We want them to feel bad too. Right? That's the reason why we have laws that punish people. Is because we want people to feel bad for what they did. What's the one test in the court system, right, that they use to determine? Is the person feeling remorse? Why do we need remorse? Because that way we know that they feel bad for what they did. Why does that matter? Because that's the only system we have for deciding whether or not they're going to do it again. We use remorse as the determining factor. Do they feel remorse? If they feel remorse, then they're unlikely to do it again because they're feeling guilty. So we look for them to sort of punish self as a way to make sure that they're not going to do that again. But you see, remorse and shame and guilt don't actually determine whether they learned why the thing is bad. They might feel guilty for doing it. But they may not understand why it's bad or how to stop. They may not have all the lessons that you would think should be attached to all of that. It assumes that the guilt is enough. But that's not necessarily true. Right? So victimization is the last one. I'm a victim of my reality. Right? Things happen to me. Even I've used those words here. Things happen to me. I'm a victim, right? So a lot of what happens in our lives is not totally under our control. We we get taught in spiritual circles that we have a certain amount of control, that we're creating our own reality, quote unquote. And then immediately we want to go to, well, can I control every single circumstance and scenario that plays out in my life? Do I have complete, utter infinite control over my circumstances can i control everything and the problem with that is it's too much it's too stressful there's also a lot that we don't see our human perception is really rather limited so there's a lot we don't see when we try to control everything it will usually backfire That need for control in that sense gets us in trouble. Because we can't control everything. So what I offer is the idea that we don't try to control external circumstances at all. We leave those alone. And the only thing we do is manage ourselves within the experience. We learn to control, quote unquote, ourselves within the experience. That's it. So that if we control ourselves within the experience, then it doesn't matter what's going on around us, we're fine. And if we don't victimize ourselves, because we don't make it, we don't tell the story in our head that says life is punishing me for something. We don't tell the story in our head that says we deserve that because we did something wrong. We don't tell that story. So we don't make ourselves a victim of our external circumstances. They just are and we accept them, and we don't get bothered by them. We learn how to manage ourselves within the experience. Now, we're not dissociating, (laughs) okay? We're not dissociating from the experiences that we're having, okay? You are still going to react or respond to what's going on around you every single time. What you're going to learn to do is A... Get a thought in there before you actually do any responding or reacting. So you're not projecting your own pain out. And then B, you're going to manage what shows up within yourself appropriately so that you don't end up wearing it and creating coping mechanisms around it. So what you're going for is a way to handle the experiences within your life so that things come and things go. And the flow is the same within you, your life experience, things happen, right? Uh, an experience starts, an experience stops, and you're on to the next thing. And in that time frame, you need to be able to manage within yourself. So you need to process emotionally, get it out of your head, make sure you change whatever behavior you need to change right and then you move on from the experience so that it's constant flow so that you're not stuck on any one thing right because what's the mind love to do stick on something <laughs> right the the repetitive thought in your head about what that person did yeah, that keeps you stuck on it. So then when five more things happen, little things happen throughout the day, what what goes on? Well, now you're in overflow. Now you've got too much to manage. Now you feel overwhelmed, right? You bogged down by the day because your mind kept you stuck on the first thing. And then five more things happened and you just didn't have the capacity to manage them because you still hadn't let go of the first one yet. So the deal is you just get better at managing so that you can actually keep up and you don't feel like you're in a hamster wheel or running a rat race. You're not overwhelmed, right? You're not bothered because now you've learned how to handle things and keep your mind from getting stuck in any one thing, right? And the mind gets stuck. It's a protection mechanism, right? The things that the mind does... Are protection mechanisms. They are designed to help keep you, quote unquote, safe. Now safe to the mind is only what it knows. What is safe to the mind is only the things and experiences that it knows. So it's only everything from where you are right now into the past. It's nothing forward. The future is dangerous to the mind. Why do you think people have anxiety? (laughs) Because they worry about the future. And the that's the unknown. And that's what creates anxiety. That's what creates stress. It's that unknown. The mind does not like the unknown at all. At all. And so it will avoid any unknown situation 100% of the time. And not only will it avoid unknown situations, it will also keep replaying the same thing on repeat to keep you stuck in that pain because It works as a distraction. It keeps you from changing. It keeps you from trying something new. It keeps you from putting yourself in a new experience. It holds you where you are. All of it is just, it's not, your mind is not being evil. Your mind is not trying to be a jerk to you. Your mind is literally trying to keep you in the same circumstances all the time. Even if the circumstances are painful, again, known pain is better than unknown pain. So the mind is going to stay where it knows, even if that's pain. So if it can get you stuck on some event or some circumstance or something that happened that's painful and that's known pain and you don't control that, then it's just going to go spin in that circle right there. For as long as you will let it do it, for as long as you'll keep listening. Your mind, the voice in your head needs an audience. You are the audience. So the minute you take that audience away, your mind shuts up. That's how it works. So when you get bored of that and you stop tuning in, that's when your mind shuts down. And it moves on to the next thing. The thing is, is the mind is something that you can, c- can control. You can get a grip on that. So, that it doesn't have to be chaos all the time. People like Eckhart Tolle have calm minds for a reason. He doesn't have a mind that's zipping around telling him all kinds of crap because he took the audience away. And so the mind is no longer now talking constantly, right? And even mine is considerably quieter, right? Mine, I don't have the incessant chatter either because I took the audience away. Right? So my experience in my head was always one of fear. I was afraid to breathe for years. That was the experience that I had. So what I learned to do at the beginning was deal with the fear. I started managing the stories that I had been telling about the things that had gone on in my life. I, 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 I untangled the stories. And then I learned to manage the fear. Emotions ride on the back of a thought, whether the thought is conscious or unconscious. Emotions will ride on the back of a thought. So you'll either be aware of the thought or you won't, right? Consciously aware or unconsciously aware of the thought. The emotion is coming from somewhere. It's not random. So when you're watching a movie and you're triggered by that movie and it causes you to cry, there's a reason for that. What about that experience is sad? And what's the trigger within you that's causing you to feel bad? And it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything there to heal or fix or solve or do, right? You're simply responding to what's going on through tears. And that's fine. But do you recognize the trigger? Can you find the thing that's causing you the pain? Why is that story sad? What's coming up? What's it triggering? What's the wound it's triggering? Because I promise you, it's triggering a wound within yourself. That's why you think it's sad. That's why you're crying. Whether you're conscious of that or not. But that's what healing is. So the same thing that you could do with a movie, when you cry at the sad movie, the same thing that you do there, you need to do in your own life all the time. When you respond badly to something, when it makes you mad, when you get upset, when you cry, when something happens in your life and it causes uh, an emotional response... Like that, that you don't like. It's because it's triggering a wound. Your job is to figure out what the wound is. And then get aware of of yourself that you can manage the behavior so that you don't keep projecting that crap all over the place. So once you stop being triggered by the thing, so the thing happens and you're no longer reacting badly. So now you're learning to respond and you're not projecting more pain the same thing is happening and now you're responding to it and you're not doing it from pain now you can start to deal with your behavior on the back end which what parts of your response are be- are still based on pain where are those old coping mechanisms buried in there what little tweaks what other little tweaks can you make to your behavior that change your response or how you respond to that thing that allow you to do even better. Because I promise you, there's still pain tangled in there somewhere. It's just harder to find because you're not projecting it emotionally outwards by getting mad or upset. Right. So we're learning how to do all of these three things. The mind and the emotions go together. You don't do one without the other. So when you're dealing with the mind, when you learn how to think better... It really is a muscle and you need to learn how to think better. When you learn how to think better, you automatically gain some control over the emotion. Because the mind stops just handing you emotions with no valid thought behind them or no conscious thought behind them. The mind stops handing you so much of that. So your emotions aren't all over the place. Okay, So the problem with emotional healing is that it ignores the other two. So when something bad happens, I want you to cry it out. I want you to cry it out. But I don't want you to hang on to the cry it out. Once you stop crying, you stop. The end. We don't need to continually re-trigger that. The continually re-triggering of the crying is what makes you develop coping mechanisms. You need to stop crying it out all the time. Let the emotion come and go. Emotion is meant to be a temporary experience. It is not a full-time job. Let emotions come and go. Toss any thinking that the mind makes up while you're crying, because all of that is garbage. That's the mind making up stories to validate the emotion. It's the mind validating how you feel. It's trying to protect you. So now it's telling you stories of blame, shame, guilt, and victimization to keep you you in it longer. None of that is true. Those are all lies. So you just ignore everything. And then you come back after the emotion. And you do not tell stories. Yes, that thing happened. That person did that thing because they are in pain. Period, full stop. There is nothing else after that. They were projecting their own pain. Done. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Anything that says you need to make them feel guilty or you need to blame them for things or they need to feel shame. Anything that says you're a victim. Anything that says any of that is not true. It's all a lie. Once the experience happens, whether you have control over it or not, you are responsible for your reaction or response to it 100%. Your job is to learn how to do that and not get caught up in the stories that you want to tell. So we stop telling stories. We don't tell them at all. The other person was in pain. They projected that pain. It happened to hit us. It's not our pain. We're going to drop it. We're not going to tell stories about why they did what they did or try to make anybody feel guilty for anything. We're taking responsibility for ourselves. The thing happened. The end. The emotion flows through. It comes and goes. We aren't telling stories. Therefore, it's not affecting our behavior. Now we can go. We don't have coping mechanisms and survival skills. Nothing gets created. Because now we're fully processing we're managing our mind and we're fully processing the emotions. So now we don't have any of the coping mechanisms showing up to begin with. But there's still room for us to do some additional work. Because there's likely a cycle present in that relationship. That person probably has a behavior that's on repeat. Now you learn to manage yourself within the experience. So now you figure out what your response needs to be to change their behavior. Not in a manipulative way here. We're not going for manipulation. What we're doing is we're figuring out how our response is triggering them and how to change that. We can shift our response. When we no longer buy in, people generally stop doing what they're doing. When we're no longer playing the game the way, the way they think we should, people stop. So that's what we're going for. Those are the tweaks in our behavior we're going for. and We're learning, we're using self-awareness to do it because we're becoming aware of our own behavior and aware of how our world is responding and reacting to us. So then we shift our behavior to make it more healthy so that we're less and less and less likely to trigger pain in other people. But that doesn't mean we're people pleasing. We still give ourselves permission to say no, we still give ourselves permission to respect our own boundaries, we still give ourselves permission to do our own thing. And if it causes pain in other people, that's fine. But we recognize that. That we're doing that and there is going to be a responsive reaction from the other person that we are going to have to accept. That's it. We're going to have to accept what they do. So if we don't like that response or reaction, or it causes them to be nasty, then it's showing us what the relationship is. And then we make choices about what to do with the relationship. Right? So, we change everything we can in our behavior and our re- response and reaction to what's going on around us to make it so that when things are, when other people are projecting their crap, we're not triggering them any further. We're not, we're not projecting anything that's, that's causing a problem. But, so we fix all the coping mechanisms and survival skills. But, we're still giving ourselves permission to do our own thing, say no, we're not people-pleasing, we're not doing any of that. And then when that other person reacts or responds to us because they don't like the shift in our behavior or they don't like our decision, we're ready for that and we don't toss it back. We don't react in pain. We understand we're just getting a response and we leave them where they are. Right? Right? It's an interesting game of ping pong ball that we play with each other. And when you understand exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it, you get to work with that ping pong ball very differently than we normally do. And you learn to understand when the ping pong ball is yours and when you're simply reacting to what the other person is doing with the ping pong ball. And you learn how to manage... What happens when you have that ping pong ball in your hand? You're managing that. And you are making very careful decisions about what to do with that ping pong ball when you toss it back. So that you live fully consciously. And you make choices with every single word that comes out of your mouth all day long. Every single reaction response you have to everything that happens in your life, you are fully consciously aware of. Nothing happens without your okay. Nothing, nothing happens within you without your okay. And if it does, because it still will, that's human. Then you're getting to a place where now you manage that. The emotion came up anyway. Okay, we allow it. We don't buy in. We don't tell stories. And then we figure out where it came from. We always go for mental clarity. 100% of the time we're going for mental clarity. I want to understand why that emotion appeared. What was it based on? What was the trigger? What do I need to do with it? If anything, sometimes there's nothing to do. And that's okay. We learn to let things come and go. Right. So this is a process. There's the ideal of fully managed. Nothing happens within you without your say. So you have full control. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> and then there's reality. <laughs> okay. And reality is that you're going to react. You're going to respond. Things are going to happen. And you're not going to be perfect at it. And, and and it's just going to be what it is. And I will tell you that I am not perfect at it. And that is a lot of my writing. I write about my experience in my own life and why it doesn't always go the way I planned. And why I am still a student of my own work. And why I am continuing to learn. And what that looks like and what I learn along the way. Right? I could talk for hours about this because... There are so many aspects of it that I could talk about, but this is hopefully the general idea. Okay, so we're learning to manage emotions, get get a grip on our thinking, and then check our behavior. And if we skip any one of those, then won't be fine as we get stuck in the pain. People don't deal with their own behavior. So they have a lot of coping mechanisms and things they learned when they were small children that they're still doing. And then they wonder why they're still in pain, even though they've done a lot of the mental, emotional work. They're in pain because they're still living through it, from it, through behavior. And so until they change the behavior, they, they get to stay stuck. That's how it goes. So a lot of the work that I'm doing right now on myself personally is behavior-based. It's behavior-based, right? Because even some of my choices that I'm making, they're behavior-based choices in terms of what to do, but they're still based on old pain, right? So there's just little things that I'm still working through. Even the decision to create this podcast brought up stuff right because it was like well okay if I go back and I do this and blah and what's the behavior and what's the and how do how does that all fit so I have to put all those pieces together right to be able to see how my decision making process is affected by trauma (laughs) right and what the coping mechanisms are and what I'm likely to do and why I'm likely to do it right so I'm learning all the behaviors. And I understand myself. So I'm not doing any deep healing anymore. I did that. Right? So everything now is really gaining mental clarity over what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And how, where, where's, the, where's the hook? Where's the pain? Right? It's a lot of mental clarity. I believe fully in getting the brain on board. Because if you don't have the brain on board, you're not going to be able to manage the other two at all. Right? You're just not going to be able to manage the other two at all. So I believe fully in mental clarity. And then you work with all three of those things. And eventually you get to a place where you have the awareness and you're able to manage yourself within your experience. And yes, you retain Your limited human perception, you don't know everything, but you don't need to. You trust that life is going to show you what you need, and then you work it out from there. We're using our experience to teach us what we need, but we don't take it on in a really victimized way. We take it on a little differently. And when we take it on in a way that allows us to check our own behavior, check our thinking, check how we feel, it really gives us the ability to gain some control. It really is about managing ourselves within the experience and no longer trying to manage the external experience at all. We just allow life to be what it is, and we learn to be okay within it all the time. All right, I'm gonna leave it there. That's plenty long enough. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this. So this podcast will not be on a schedule. I will not be guaranteeing length or time for this podcast. I am going to do this podcast intuitively the same way I write my blogs. I am not putting it on a schedule. So I've created a variety of different mediums and places where I can talk in written format or um, in video format in places like TikTok or here in audio. And basically, when I get an idea, I'm just going to pick a platform and go there. And share in that platform, whatever the platform is at the time. The podcast is just another platform for me. So if I feel the need to talk, then there will be an episode. And that's how it's going to be. So I'm going to break all the podcasting rules I can find. And I'm going to do this the same way I offer the majority of my writing. Not on a schedule. Simply just as I feel like it. Whatever the platform is I feel called to, that's what I show up, where I show up and what I do. So it is likely that you will hear from me next week again. But when? I do not know. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, give it a like, give it a share. Let your friends know about it. And I will talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.